We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back. As we uh, head into our final hour here, it is a delight to do so with George Kaloff. He is the president of Data Orbital and a managing partner at the Resolute Group, based here in Phoenix, works nationally, one of the greatest uh, political consultants I've come to know, and uh, he helps us out with the politics of the day, the week, the month, the year. Uh, George, uh, welcome back. Uh, you're out of state at an interesting convention, as I understand it, uh, with the uh, American Legislative Exchange Council. You want to tell the audience a little bit about that organization? Kind of a good group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, ALEC, for short, of the American Legislative Exchange Council, brings together policymakers from around the country, uh, both at the legislative level and even now at the state and local level, uh, sorry, at the local level uh, and county, to pass good, limited government, free market, pro-parent, pro-family policies. Obviously, all things that we talk often about, all things that we believe um, are good for society and good for advancing principles. Um, Arizona uh, has always had a, a presence. And uh, uh, and again, uh, the things that are being talked about, not just at this conference, but in general, by a lot of the organizations represented here, are, are the reason why so many of, uh, of our states not least of which is Arizona, are shining from a national perspective in terms of quality of life, economic growth, uh, families being in control, parents being in control of their children's education or their children's, you know, what, what they're taught, so on and so forth. So it's, uh, it's been great so far. Good, 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 good. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, highly political day. I'm not even sure where to start. I guess I'll start with this. Um, one of the things at a very global level. One of the things that has overshadowed a lot of the conversation in America before we even get into the nitty-gritty of different Senate races or even the presidential race is this two standards of justice issue, one for Republicans, one for Democrats. And Americans were at least conservatively inclined Americans or fair-minded inclined Americans were pretty shocked at the sweetheart plea deal that uh, Hunter Biden struck with the Department of Justice. And there's obviously, of course, been some investigation into some of it. And a federal judge today in Delaware uh, put a red light in front of it. And it, um, in a sense, in a sense, restores just a tad, if even for a few hours or a day of confidence that maybe the tide is turning and maybe there's a few common sense people on the bench. Maybe there's a few common sense people still in power that are saying that the runaway Department of Justice, the runaway crime family that is the Biden family, isn't going to get away with everything they've been getting away with so far. I wonder what your thoughts are on this. But my, I ask that in the context of how it's going to shape the political races next year. I mean, I think I think equal justice, I think fairness have always been a big issue. And um, today it looks like fairness had a good day. 100%. One of the many reasons that America had been set apart from the rest of the world and so many of these other countries. There's all, all a ton of reasons why. But one of the main reasons is because our judicial system uh, was able to be trusted. Not perfect, 
but was able to be trusted. There's a lot of countries where if you end up in a court somewhere, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's there's really there's right. no going back. Right. There's really no justice. There's no innocent and triple guilty. The problem lately has been that, like anything in our society and everything in our society, it became politicized. Yeah. And so even if this is just a glimmer, we need this glimmer mm-hmm. because there's so many things happening on a daily basis in our country that is dividing us. And mm-hmm. so this is something that I think is, is critical. Uh, and it 100% will have an effect on this coming election cycle because Hunter Biden is a focal point. He's obviously the son of the president of the United States. And um, they have tried very hard to not make it a thing. But it's ridiculous, and the more we learn about it, the more we understand that there are very clear indications of pay-for-play and meetings and money exchanges and all these things that, that, that Biden on the campaign trail in 2020 claimed was not the case, and they tried to brush it underneath the rug. And now for this judge to do this, this is, this is only going to get worse. The interesting thing is to see how does this play into the potential third indictment right. that President Trump had been teasing, right. and how does that relate if they are the two nominees? How does this relate now to the primary uh, on the Republican side, I don't think it will affect the primary on the Democratic side, but it absolutely will have an effect. I think it's it's not so much what happened today, but it's what today unlocked, which is the potential for this thing to actually, which I'm still skeptical of, going to trial right. and actually having more of the dirty laundry aired, because I think that would make it even worse for Biden. Right. So, I, good, good analysis. And one of the things that it seems to me, even the press is beginning to Again, maybe it's for a day, maybe it's for two days, and maybe it's not for the long haul. But it does seem for at least a very short period right now, the press isn't buying the White House line that Hunter Biden is a private individual over which, about whom the White House should continue to be able to say no comment. I mean, this is a man who is connected, potentially connected in business dealings, perhaps even criminal business dealings, with the president of the United States, this is a man with secret service. This is a man who gets government transportation. This is a man who is in and out of the White House and rides on Air Force One. It is laughable to continue to say he is a private person. On the other hand, I think it's also important, or by the same token, I think it's also important that Republicans understand that anything they do and say about Hunter Biden has to be about Joe Biden. I mean, Hunter Biden is not the issue. It's the connection to and the relevance to Joe Biden. As a friend of mine said earlier today, Ronald Reagan didn't defeat Billy Carter. He defeated Jimmy Carter. Yeah, yeah, 100, 100%. And, and to add more to that, when President Trump was in the White House from 2016 to 2020, it was absolutely a focus point of the media. Anything and everything any of the Trump children did, mm-hmm. right? right? Or their or their spouses, it was or their free, boyfriends. Or yeah, boyfriends. it was a free-for-all. It's it was crazy. a free-fire zone. Yeah, you bet. 24-7, and yeah. now all of a sudden, if this is a, an individual who's in the personal life. No, that's not true. We know that that's not true. We know there are public policy implications. More and more continues to come out. And so, again, even the media, yeah. even the media, once again, another yeah. glimmer of hope, even the media at some point has to say, look, when something with the White House, when something doesn't seem like it's common sense, mm-hmm. and when something completely flies in the face of common sense, the average American is going to stop and think, this doesn't make sense. And when something doesn't make sense, it's usually because it's not true or because it doesn't make sense for a reason, right? And so we're seeing that. And even in our upside down, you know, topsy-turvy, to use a uh, technical phrase, society (laughs) that we have today, even things like this, at some point, they just, uh, they never made sense, but they stopped making sense even to individuals who are not uh, super focused on this or who 
make it a thing to not want to be conspiratorial or whatever it may be, even they can't ignore it any longer. And I think we're at that juncture with the Hunter Biden issue. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe so. And and maybe it's the perfect moment, too, or the most important of moments, maybe, is the better way to put it. Because the way that you have a pressure valve on all the heat and division in America, in our politics, really is mediating institutions like the judiciary, which we have said has become and which we have acknowledged has become so political in and of itself – part and parcel of a Department of Justice, which is part and parcel seemingly of the Democratic Party. And, you know, to the degree that there is some fairness restored, your words, some common sense restored, it's healthy. It's just healthy. Because what we have seen has been fundamental, uh, a fundamental finger, a fundamental unfairness on the scales against Republicans. I was saying the other day, seems to me the journalist class has has a standard that if there's a Republican in office, you will investigate that Republican to the hilt. If there's a Democrat in office, you will investigate the Republicans who are not in office. <laughs> and 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 yeah. that something about that changed today, which restores just a hair of moment, a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith in the system that we've all been trying to get back on track. Even if it's a glimmer, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. We need it. We need these glimmers. We need the little wins, even if it's momentary. We obviously need to make them non-momentary. We need to depoliticize all kinds of things. Obviously, we could spend hours and hours talking about that. But even for a glimmer, because I know some folks on our side will be like, well, this is just momentary. And it may be. We need to, at a minimum, own it, own that it happened momentarily, and keep using these types of momentary examples to to further the overall vision that we have, which is that... Um, justice needs to be equal. Justice cannot be for one party or for one movement, or justice cannot just be against ideas we don't believe in. Justice has to be equal. That is a principle and a core tenant of the founding of the United States of America and why so many people flock here and why, once again, our country is set apart from other nations around the world because justice has always, was always meant to be equal, even if it's not being carried out that way today in every instance. And so we need to always strive to get back there. And just a quick talking point before we take a commercial break. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more presidential politics here in Florida, kind of ground zero for some of them. I um, I just want to talk, as, as the left continues to say that this judge was a Trump-appointed judge, fair enough, recommended by two Democratic senators from the state of Delaware. So, you know, this is the, we can play a role in for an Oliver and a tit-for-tat all day long, but this, this is not a partisan judge. This is a judge who has ruled on behalf of, of Hunter Biden and his family in the past, and it is a judge who was recommended by the Delaware uh, Democratic establishment, uh, acknowledged and, of course, acceded to by the president, but very rare for a president to turn down a judge recommendation by two senators from other state. All right, George Califf and I will be right back. That's an old Shania Twain song. We pray, maybe George Califf and I need to have a little conversation about country music in a few moments, Jason Aldean and all that. But first, George uh, of the Resolute Group, uh, he's in Florida. Let's talk Florida, George. Let's talk uh, Florida's uh, governor and Governor Ron DeSantis. I, there is so much to say right now that um, those who have been calling my show and emailing me who were inclined 
and supportive of him are just so disappointed in what's been going on the last several weeks and indeed months with that campaign. Again, with all the usual stipulations, as we say in uh, deposition law, it's early, no one's voted, we have a long way to go. Um, there are there have been some serious mistakes and some serious bad news cycles for the man who said he was Donald Trump with the competence, right? There have been. It, there have been. I, I will say, and again, you and I, I mean, we touch on this topic regularly enough or I almost feel like we could see trend lines. We yeah. go back and, and, and we listen. It almost feels like it's it's getting to the point of being over the top. Here's what yeah. I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. Every morning I wake up and, again, read some things that maybe the average American isn't reading, like the playbook from Politico, which is like an insider's thing. Sure. But it's not just relegated to that. The, the, the desire by the media of all sorts, shapes and sizes and colors, from the far left to the far right, are exclusively focused on every every potential issue. Yeah. And and they're, you know, like what is the saying? You make a mountain out of a, a, a molehill or whatever, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. I think I posted the saying. No, that's but it almost feels like it's getting to the point where it's it's being overdone and it's being done too quickly. Yeah. The guy is still a major governor of a major state. Right. This isn't like the dynamic of a Scott Walker where he was polling in like 1%. Sure, numbers are heading in wrong directions and da-da-da. His super PAC still has $130 million. He still raised $20 million in six weeks for his, for his campaign. I, it, 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 it almost feels like, again, to be slightly conspiracy-minded, it almost feels like um, there are certain individuals that wink, wink, nod, nod, want to see a repeat uh-huh. of Trump versus Biden. Yeah. Again, some on the right, some on the left. And I, I think it's starting to get over the top of the narrative. There's a long road to go. There very clearly are campaigns that are more than just fizzling, by the way. And, yeah. and, you know, we can touch on that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot that has to change. Now, apparently, it's been announced that not only did they let, you know, before there was like 90 staff on the campaign, and they let 12 go. Now, apparently, up to a third yeah, of the campaign has been now. let go. Yeah, yeah. They're downsizing. Again, campaigns, we've seen this happen before in prior years. Um, where they were heading in a really wrong direction, and they tightened their belts, and they won a couple states. It's all about trajectory. Remember when Joe Biden's campaign was 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 done? Yep. Right until we got to South Carolina again. Yep. I, I know, I know, we keep coming up with that. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but it almost feels like it's being slightly over overdone at this point in terms of the narrative. Understood. I, um, still, this notion that the campaign has gone or is going through a reset. I'd like to think that a reset story about a campaign should be about a 12-hour story. seems like it's about – it's now going on about a week. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it seems they haven't been able to nip that in the bud. And the calls I got yesterday were kind of interesting with regard to the vice president's attack on the Florida education standards. They were kind of hoping Ron DeSantis might make, a, make of it a teachable moment. That's kind of his – it's kind of his bread and butter, those kinds of issues, and just wasn't really around much to say too terribly much about it, to fight back that much. It just, it just seems like there's a little bit of a vacuum in the leadership that people knew from Ron DeSantis circa two years ago, let's say. It seems like there's a little bit of flatness in, the, in, in, in what used to be a pretty, a pretty, potent, uh, pretty potent gas. And, and the, the other thing that I, I think is interesting – Keep in mind, I don't know what you think about this, Seth, yeah. is we know in politics and in life, everything is relative. Yeah. And so what I wonder is, relative to the expectations set upon him mm-hmm. by even people like you and I and others, mm-hmm. were the, was the expectation set so high that, like, you know, folks thought that he was going to come in and he was going to, like, you know, take his, 
you know, his gap of 15% and then all of a sudden inch closer and then he was going to be in the lead before Iowa. I, I mean, that may be part of it too, is what were the expectations? Were they reasonable and realistic? Yeah. And of course, there is a difference between being governor of a state as large as Florida is and as well as he has done and running on the national stage. And we can't take for granted, uh, no matter what you do or don't agree with, uh, with what he says in terms of President Trump, but he has done this rodeo twice before. Yep. And that's not insignificant. This is his third election nationally. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, you know, maybe the Trump of 16 could have been different in terms of the even though the climate wasn't um, political climate wasn't. But in terms of his experience now, he is an exceptionally actually seasoned uh, politician and campaigner, I should yep. say. Yep. Um, so I think both of those uh, both of those are factors. And like, look, yeah, there are mistakes being made. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and I think they need to be careful to totally gloss over potential mistakes and not use them as teachable moments. But um I mean, I don't know. It's it's just uh, you almost can't tell what's what's actually happening and what's yeah. accurate, and yeah. it's just narrative. Um, That's a fair point. You can't tell uh, for sure, but it it seems that there becomes a stench or an odor that attaches, and one just seems to be attaching. Let me let me put it uh, let me put it this way. I had a, a guy on the show the other day who was saying. You know, Ron DeSantis is an extremely articulate man, one of the most articulate perhaps in our party. But what these missteps along the way have done is put it all really to the debate stage, which will be coming up a little bit later next month. And that puts an awful lot of a burden on him. And it does in the sense that there are some other candidates who are also pretty good in those venues. I don't expect Chris Christie to be the nominee. But he's as good on a debate stage as anyone that's ever existed. And it's it's just I, – I guess what I'm saying is it's hard to see where Ron DeSantis gets the pitch and the swing that he really needs, just a clear one. Yeah. It's just hard yeah. to see yeah. it at this point. That's all. I, I 100 percent agree, and I will say uh, when the debate comes and goes, and it's going to come before we know it, right, a little little less than a month. Again, I, don't, I still think it will be too early to completely write things off, but there will be a monumental shift that is either positive or negative. It's probably pretty unlikely that it will be neutral or non, um, non-affecting non yeah. right. the race. Right. If it is negative right. for him, right. that is a big problem. Now, yeah. if it's positive, though, that's some serious momentum that you yeah. can carry into future things that likely then will also invite, you know, depending on what decision he makes for this first debate, will invite President Trump to engage in future debates, yeah. by the way, because then he won't want that to happen. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's unfortunately, you know, when we talked about expectations, yeah. there is a lot that's riding on this uh, first debate, and the expectation, um, rightfully so, is sky high for Governor DeSantis. Yeah, if you're Donald Trump and you're debating, <coughs> bad word. If you're Donald Trump and you're considering whether to go to that first debate, I'm, I'm thinking the bulk of the consideration is let them all beat up on Ron DeSantis and let me not be there. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm kind of thinking right now. Um, Rather than let them all beat up on me and try to out DeSantis, DeSantis, but um, I guess I guess that determination hasn't been made just yet either. Let me take another commercial break and ask you about uh, second tier candidates that are getting second looks. Robert Kennedy's been a lot in the news, and Vivek Ramaswamy has been more in the news. Can we talk about those considerations when we come right back to George? Let's do it. All right. George Kaloff is my guest. He is the president of Data Orbital and the managing partner of the Resolute Group, one of my favorite people to talk politics with because he's one of my favorite experts in politics. He and I will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff is my guest. He's the president of Data Orbital and the managing partner at the Resolute Group. The Resolute.group is his website. Um, George, I, I, I have been impressed with a lot of the domestic statements of Vivek Ramaswamy. I've been less impressed with his foreign policy, but it's not about me. Um, what is interesting to me is the real, uh, real clear politics average now has him at um, the, in, in third place uh, in the Republican uh, nomination, Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy. And I'm just wondering, he got a lot of traction out of a poll I'd not heard of. Maybe you can say something about it. Kaufman, uh, I think it was Kaufman, that um, isn't even on the real clear politics averages. That put him tied, at, I think, 12 percent with DeSantis. And I get that there, you know, there this this is kind of normal through campaign season, where you know there's favorite flavors of the week and that sort of thing. But he is hitting on something, and he is touching on something that seems to kind of take on what um, what uh, what a lot of the voters you and I have paid attention to over the years care about, which is the cultural conditions of America. There's something there that's not going away too quickly, it seems to me. I wonder what your analysis of the Ramaswamy campaign is like. I agree. Uh, I agree with that assessment. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, because you're right, in every presidential race, think Carly Fiorina right. in 2016. Right, right. Uh, right. Or uh, in, a, in a small season, Senator Graham, right. that they pop up really quick and yeah. they come back down. Yeah. What's different about this is it's sort of, you know, the, the adage, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. It's been slow and steady. Yeah. He was very early in the race. And he's just been building and has been building and has been going around the country. And now he first hit his threshold of small dollar donations that you need to hit. Now he is hitting his polling thresholds. Do I think he's tied with Governor DeSantis at 12%? Likely not. Yeah, I don't buy it. Uh, right. But is he in the mid single digits? Could be high single digits, depending on the state. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised by that. He got pretty positive, um, pretty positive commentary from the gathering that happened in Iowa mm-hmm. with uh, with the family leader, the evangelical mm-hmm. uh, Christian gathering. Which there. is impressive uh, given he himself is not a Christian in and of itself, well, right? Exactly, right? right? I mean, that, that, right. That's, a, that's a factor in this. It's and a so huge factor, been, right. He's just been methodical mm-hmm. about this, and, and you can't help but to, um, you know, give kudos where kudos is due. He's, he's obviously running a good campaign. Again, it's different to be an insurgent and dark horse and underdog than it is to then assume the top three and then keep the top three. You also are seeing a little bit of a peak, I think, with Senator Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, because he's, he's sitting on a lot of money mm-hmm. from his mm-hmm. you know, Senate campaign. Again, mm-hmm. money doesn't translate to um, victory one-to-one, but it mm-hmm. is a very helpful thing in a campaign that is pretty costly, and, and you know, especially if he keeps his burn rate low, the speed in which he's spending the money. So I have been impressed. I think he's hitting a lot of very interesting notes. Um, is he going to be the nominee and is he going to be you know, president of the United States? I don't know. Probably probably not. Probably is he not. absolutely making a name for himself and going to become one of the leaders of the party? Uh, probably yes, because so far he's been doing a lot uh, that's positive. And I've, I've only, frankly, I've not heard a lot of negative commentary about him. You know, it's either no commentary at all or, or pretty positive commentary. And he ain't criticizing people. Trump and Trump ain't criticizing him. And there's something about that, too, isn't there? There's yes. always I mean, the that, that stalking is horse issue, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a factor. And so, if then that does come to fruition, because somehow we're in December, and mm-hmm. you know he is you know, within shooting distance, for example, and in the Iowa caucus polls or something, who knows? Yeah. If that changes, maybe that changes the entire dynamic, which is why these races are so 
interesting and there's a lot of up and down. Um, but there's a very, I would assume, intentional reason why they're not attacking each other. Yeah. Again, I think at the back of the mind, there's a maybe cabinet position. That's what like I'm thinking. That. Yeah. Ah, and and it could be a very interesting cabinet, given some of the talent in this pool. Whether it's Tim Scott, I mean, my own view is I think Tim Scott should be the vice presidential nominee for anyone if he doesn't win uh, the the presidential primary. I mean, the guy has such a winning personality, and it would just be such a great moment. Whether it's Trump, DeSantis, or anyone else for that matter, if it's not Tim Scott, he really be on the ought to be on the ticket. But there's a lot of raw talent in this field for cabinet positions. And Ramaswamy should be at the top of them, whether it's, you know, remaking the Department of Education on the way to putting it to its final and ultimate death <laughs> at long last or Health and Human Services or something like that. Yeah. Let me um, let me do this. Uh, you have time for one more segment? Let's do it. Great. Uh, let me talk to you about what the Kennedy race means to you and the interest in him from Democrats who are being polled and the interest in him from Republicans. My own sense, just to chew on over the break, is that Republicans are making a mistake by propping him up so much. But on the other hand, anything that makes a headache for Joe Biden is a good idea. George Kaloff is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff uh, joining us. He is the president of Data Orbital, managing partner of the Resolute Group. The Resolute dot group is his website. Uh, political consultant I like talking most with because he gives me the most to think about, um, among other things, his expertise. George uh, Robert Kennedy's kind of an interesting phenomenon, and I don't know how much longer that phenomenon lasts or not. He's been so much to say. One of the things is alternative media has given him a big boost. Podcasts have. Fox News has. Um, That's one thing. The other thing is a lot of Republicans like some of the things he has to say, particularly about uh, the deep state, particularly about COVID and the vaccines, particularly about uh, corporatism, I guess, is the phrase of art these days. But I, I got to tell you, I, I, the, the guy is still an out-and-out lefty on so many issues. Moreover, um, I think it's a mistake when Republicans are happy to see Democrats go against the grain and think just because they go against the grain, they're Republicans. I've warned them about Tulsi Gabbard, whether they're right or I'm right, open question, but I think I'm right. And I'm warning him about Robert Kennedy. This guy is not a friend. And, you know, when you think about the issues that we care about most, even if it has to do with the general triad of Republican concerns or whether it has to do with tax policy or whether it has to do with just plain old sanity, Republicans ought to back off a little bit, I think. One last thing I'll throw in the mix. His poll numbers aren't moving. It's not like he's going from 14 to 20 to 30 to 35. They're pretty stagnant, and that's interesting, too. I'll let you do whatever you want with all that. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm torn uh, about sort of the thought of what Republicans do with him. Because on one hand, okay, we agree on a a number of issues, but we disagree on a lot of fundamental issues. Right. right? So, for example, we if we disagree, for me, someone like me, and I think you would concur with this, if we disagree on the issue of life. Yep then that's a big disagreement. That yep. means that we really are not 
aligned, right? Uh, right? I mean, it's a, I mean, I feel that with some Republicans, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Of the yes. Right. Party. right. right. Uh, religious freedom being another one, so on and so forth. I think it's good and okay to acknowledge that. Sure, there are issues that he is better on than Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that we need to be out there, you know, promoting him. On the other hand. If we don't believe that, I mean, again, is he going to be the nominee on the on the left? I mean, I think their rules are so much even more complicated right. than, than the Republican rules. There's, yeah. It's almost a zero chance because right. there's so many super delegates. Again, not to get too wonkish, there's so right. many party leaders right. that make up a portion of the delegate vote on their side, which means that no matter how polling uh, is, party leaders are not going to go with him. They're going to go with Joe Biden. And so if he's just a thorn in the side, then what harm is it? The thing that's interesting is that now... And again, this is this is I'm not necessarily saying that this is a good thing or, you know, when families start publicly arguing with each other, you, you've noticed his you know nephews and yeah. nieces and different members of yeah. the family and siblings and whatnot that are like almost like disowning him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be giving him the time of day if someone over there wasn't I shouldn't say worried, but worried to the sense of like, oh, man, could this take away enough votes? plus some of the third-party yeah. candidates that are in the general yeah. election to then harm Joe Biden. Yeah. So it's, they're definitely taking him seriously because if, you know, the marker in politics of if someone is a serious or legitimate candidate is if they're being ignored or not. Right, it's right. Are, they, are they being talked about? It's the old Trump rule. Right? It has yeah. some merit. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. 100%. If you're being talked about, you're, you're legitimate you and you're yeah. a concern. Mm -hmm. You matter. If you're not being talked about, no one cares about you, good, bad, or otherwise. Right. And so clearly people are talking about him. But I, I would agree with you. You know, the issues that you talked about are serious issues, but we, we disagree with them on all sets of cultural issues, all kinds of economic issues. Those are fundamental core conservative principles and Republican principles. And so you can't just, um, you know, I think on our side, too, on a final thought on this, we love when someone comes over, right, yep. like sees the light, like we love those stories. Right. They, they kind of make me hesitant because, you know, look, we're, we're really divided. And so I, I, it's not that I don't believe people change political affiliations, but it's one thing to change things on the margins or you change things generationally, like how some of the Democrats in the South became Republicans or yep. things like that. It's a right. whole other thing to go from like left field to right field, like instantly or vice versa. Right. I mean, like, so, like yes. I don't know. No, you're on to something. And it's even stronger, perhaps for me than the way I, I heard it, because We've done it with Kirsten Cinema. We've done it with Tulsi Gabbard, and we're doing it with Robert Kennedy. And I'll tell you where my suspicion flag flies high. It flies high when they walk off the Democratic Party's entirety of reservation, the, the reservation in its entirety, but they refuse to join the Republican Party. That makes me nervous. I'm always nervous about that. It just what is it you are trying to do? What is it you truly believe? I understand not everyone's a Democrat, not everyone's a Republican. But when you're in public office and you're seeking public office and you make a big deal of bucking your party but won't join ours, seems to me our party shouldn't be extending its hand and saying, well, we're all for you. 100 percent. And obviously, you know, Senator Sinema here in Arizona is an even – it's a more even pointed example yeah. because there's, yeah. there's even more disagreement. But she there's just, an awful lot of Republicans you and I know who just think she walks on water, and I'm thinking it's a bad idea to think that. It, it, exactly. And I would agree with you. This is now not everyone has to be one or the other, but this right. is a two-team sport. Right. And if you're in the sport in the sense of you're an elected official or striving to be an elected official, you really can't not sign up for the team, right? right? Like I mean, we know that that's a very very small percentage of people, and there are almost always individuals that were that party and then they changed while they were in office, and still right? would vote eighty five, ninety percent with exactly. one of the two, right? Exactly, exactly, right. Yeah. exactly, right? Like we know everything has a reason in the world. Everything has a reason right. in politics, and so you know, absolutely, that should be a red flag. And like, look, yes, is is 
you know, cinema, Senator Cinema held the line on the filibuster 100%. Am I happy about that? Of course. <laughs> but there are, I mean, there are more issues. It's about the 35,000th issue I care about, to be honest. With right? Yeah, but, but like, <laughs> like, there's so many issues that I care about right. that we not yeah. only disagree, she has spent her entire career opposing right. me on and, 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 and people that believe like me on. And so I can't now all of a sudden wake up one day and be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I, I love her, I'm going to support yeah. her or something like yeah. that. So we have to be... We have to be mindful and intentional and discerning. Yeah. I think maybe discernment is the best word. That's we need to be discerning in who we give our support to. Yeah, exactly right. Well said. Well put. George, it's so fun catching up with you and talking politics with you. Enjoy your stay in Florida. Um, listen to some Jimmy Buffett. Have a cheeseburger in paradise. And uh, come back uh, Come back all refreshed, okay? Will do. We'll talk soon. All right, George. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. I'll be back with... Uh, few closing thoughts. How do you think the Biden administration is handling the economy? You got your bank failures, you've got your stock market's volatility, you've got talk of recession, you've got ongoing inflation. Where do you invest? Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you choose. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Why Refi, And they're based here. They're headquartered here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. I've been there. They're on uh, the 101 in Scottsdale Road. And... Uh, you won't be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. But when you do meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 888- Y refi thirty four eight 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 Y refi thirty four. Just thinking a little bit generally over the break about that political discussion with George and the kind of thing we tune into shows like this on a daily basis, or the kind of thing that talk show hosts come to work five days a week to talk about. And yeah, we do principles and we do culture and we have a little bit fun, little bit of fun too, but. Politics is probably the basis, I think it's fair to say, of all of our shows and all of what most people tune in for. Uh, the basis, not the not to the entire field, but the basis. And it took me back to a conversation I had a few years ago with a relative of mine who said, how do you dedicate just so much of your time to politics? I mean, why, why politics all the time? It's a person who is in um, investment real estate. And I said, well, there's nothing more important it's not only building the conditions around which our society will thrive or not. It's the conditions upon which we will build the realm in which you can raise your family or not. If you think the country's important, then politics has to be of paramount importance. If you think raising your family in a healthy environment is important, then politics has to be of paramount importance. If you think the education system is important or the health care system is important or the business climate in which you operate is important. It is driven by and determined by political decisions. 
There is nothing more serious or more important than politics. And that's why we do what we do and why we really don't take any of it for granted or any of you for granted. And thank you for tuning in and sharing your thoughts with us on shows like this as well. David Dahl, thank you, sir, for your work today, as always. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Leibson. God bless you all and class dismissed.